I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. It is a great day, and you guys know why it's a great day. I don't have to say it, so say it in your heads. Mm -hmm. You know what day it is. So I am super, super excited to have with us today, Sarah Kelly. Sarah is like a whole room full of energy. The first time we talked, I was like, oh my gosh, I really, really adore her. And she's taught me something really interesting within the past month or so about cows, which is really funny because I now have a fascination with cows that I didn't have before beyond enjoying a burger. So, hey, Sarah, it's cool. Uh, But Sarah, hey, how's it going? (laughs) It is fantastic. And I'm super, super excited to be chatting with you too. Who knows what kind of fun farm life information we might be chatting about I mean, today. all kinds of stuff because our last chat we got on <laughs> farms and cats and dogs and you know all kinds of stuff and it was really cool um our experiences so you're very fun and that's something I appreciate and it always makes the conversation just that much more exciting to have when I know the person is fun so good stuff but a happy new year and welcome to the show um I really like to jump into it because I don't want for our family to wait too long to get to the goodness so if you will please Tell us, who is Sarah Kelly? I love that name, too. It's so, like, famous. Oh, I love it. It's all the first names, all of them at once. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, my story is one of just pure luck. When I was... First, I should say that I come from a long line of self-employed high school graduates. And college was always something that kind of lurked in in the stratosphere, but was never like really talked about a lot of my family. And so when I was in high school, I was like a really under-motivated student. I was not a scholar by any means, but it, the choice was, you know, after graduation, go to college or get a job and really didn't want to go to school, but I really didn't want to get a job. So I took the tests, I applied, and like I said, not a scholar by any means. And I was accepted to exactly one college, and that's where I enrolled. I found my way, thankfully, into college, where I managed to thrive. I was lucky that my college required like an intro to college class, because if I didn't have to take it, I wouldn't have taken it. And if I hadn't taken it, I probably would have dropped out because that class introduced me to all of the resources that I had available to me that I never would have been able to find on my own. No one was ahead of me saying, oh, you should check out this office or this is where you can get help with whatever problem you're having. So I was lucky that I had to take that class. And I was lucky that my financial aid package included work study and My goal for a work-study job was something that was Monday through Friday, nine to five, so I could go home on the weekends and see my boyfriend. (laughs) And I ended up working in the student activities office, which was 180 degrees from who I was at that time. I was a very self-conscious person. I didn't have a lot of self-esteem. I would have been one of the, probably one of the scary kids you saw in the high school cafeteria. (laughs) 
And so I was surrounded by people that were usually in student council and on the prom committee. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. But I found my home working in the the outskirts of college life, not the, the academics, but all the other fun stuff. And, you know, if it weren't for that dumb luck, I wouldn't have found my passion, which is now my career working at colleges and universities. Isn't the best job in the world, though, or the best field, let me say it that way, to work with students and to be in college forever? <laughs> to be in college forever, yeah. Every day they they teach me something new and Lord knows they keep me on my feet. You know, and I'm so fascinated, you know, as a person with a higher ed background uh, and still working with college institutions as well, how students evolve like you may be at one institution and you see students evolve and go to another and see how they evolve there and it's just amazing what an academic environment with the balance of the classroom and then the student development can really do for this group would you say that with student affairs or student activities as a whole is something that you got into was an easy career to navigate in terms of finding mentors or understanding what you wanted to do next because student affairs is so broad in what it is. And student affairs is not the kind of thing you know about on your first day of college. So as a first-gen student, I've always just kind of relied on on my ignorance and being willing to admit when I don't know anything and just start asking people. Now, granted, it took me a while to get there. But (laughs) in terms of mentors, the, the people that I've been fortunate enough to work with have always been just so caring and so giving of their knowledge and expertise that even for someone who's maybe third or fourth generation college student, they were treated with the exact same kind of attention that this lowly first gen student was who might not have had the same upbringing or background. So I've been really lucky to have some wonderful student affairs professionals. And I should say high five to a bunch of the the wonderful women in higher education and student affairs who have encountered along the way. Well, that's always awesome to have people that, you know, have your back and especially when there are other women in higher education. And I say that because I know that we sometimes look at what it looks like for other women to be in leadership and how we are able to either pull them on as mentors or get advice from them without feeling like they're going to shut the door. Uh, So that's really cool. And thinking about that leadership piece, I know that student leadership is something that's really important to you. Mm -hmm. Where that come from? Like, why so? When I was a first year in college, I was working in the student activities office. I thought it was just a job. I was going to class, going home and doing my homework. And I had never thought of the concept of leadership until one day in the student activities office, my boss practically shook me and she said, but you are a leader. Mm. No one had ever used that word about me before. So having somebody literally say it to my face really opened up my eyes to to what leadership development was and could be in general, but also for me. Hmm. I certainly made my fair share of leadership mistakes in, in undergrad, but through years and years and years of practice, I'm confident to say that I'm excited to, to train the next generation of leaders. And I get to do that every single day on my campus. It's really interesting because it seems like college is what really woke up a lot of parts of who you are now. Like I said, you never heard yourself being called a leader. Like, really? Like, wow, seriously? 100%. Like, if the the Sarah Kelly from high school could see the Sarah Kelly of today, she would not know who she's looking at. <laughs> I, I was I was so afraid of my own voice. Like, the idea of calling and ordering a pizza would throw me into a panic. Mm. 
And the idea of stepping up and sharing my ideas or even my concerns about a situation was just not, not a thing. I went to grade school and high school with pretty much the same people my whole life. And so I was never comfortable enough to, to change who I was for fear of being ostracized. How dare you try and change who you are? You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to be someone you're not. But then I went to college and did not know a soul. Nobody from my high school went to, to, to college with me. And it really gave me the, the freedom to try something new. And I made the conscious decision that I was going to be happy. I was going to try new things. And, and really search my soul and find who the real me was. And thank God that happened because I can't imagine what life would be like if I didn't have all of these, you know, instances here and there that really changed the trajectory of my life. So then how has what you've learned about yourself, the leadership aspect, just the self-awareness in general, learning to speak up, how has that translated into your life as an adult? I think a lot of it really just has to do with the fact that I'm not nearly as worried about embarrassing myself as I used to be. Hmm. For someone who kind of got their jollies off of being too cool for everybody and not talking and just doing my own thing, I cared a lot about what people thought about me. And the older I get, the more I realize that it doesn't matter. Hmm. It does not matter if people think I'm dumb for not knowing something or foolish for admitting I don't know something in public, but just having the self-confidence to say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that and I'm either going to find it or I'm going to find someone who does has really made a gigantic difference in me. And I try and impart that on my students as well, that it's okay to not have all of the answers immediately. I absolutely agree with that. And sometimes, you know, looking for an answer right away is one of the ways you stress yourself out. Because things just happen yeah. when it's supposed to happen. But even thinking about like leadership and what it's done for you and how it shaped you, how would you suggest or you know, what do you suggest are ways that student leaders, be it that they're undergraduate or graduate, can really tap into their skills when they think about entering the workplace? I think the most important thing you can do as a student at whatever level is figure out what it is you want to do and then talk to the people that are doing it. And it's more than just that. You need to ask people where they went to school and what they studied, but you also need to ask people where else they applied to school and what they were thinking of studying. Ask if you can shadow somebody for a day and just sit behind them and see what what tools they utilize every day. You know, one of my one of my favorite things to do with students is to help them work on their resumes. Mm. More often than not, people are willing to bend over backwards to help you succeed. And that's probably one of the other real big things I learned my first year of college is that for the first time in my life, there were quote unquote adults who wanted to see me succeed that weren't my family. You know, I had never had teachers who cared about my success. They cared if I showed up to class and they cared if I turned in all the assignments didn't matter what grade I got as long as I did and they could check it off. But my first year of college was the first time that I had teachers and professors take an active interest in my success. And so knowing that every time I encountered somebody else in in a position higher than I am, I, I defaulted to the fact that they wanted to see me succeed and actively help me not fail. Mm, that's very warming because that's the good experience, especially being a first-generation college student, that we want to hear more of. Because I'm sure everybody didn't know that you were first-gen, but the impact that they were making in your life and helping you shape who you are today is what is significant and something that's like worthy of 
gratitude, if that's a you know decent way to say it. But even thinking in my head, so you had this great college experience. What was it like for you transitioning out of, of college, even going to graduate school or just thinking about going to work full time? What were some of the steps you took or things that you did to just figure it out for yourself? What were some of your hurdles even? Oh, man, the transition to graduate school was so tough because I was not an academic rock star in high school. I didn't find myself accepted to a super rigorous college. I entered college having not read a lot of the same books that my classmates had. And I entered graduate school never having done a lot of critical analysis Mm -hmm. that a lot of my classmates had. And so the first paper I ever submitted, I got sent back to me and asked for a complete rewrite because it had asked for an analysis and I gave a book report essentially. So the, the learning curve was pretty steep there, understanding the dichotomy between undergraduate and graduate is a lot similar to the change between high school and college. You know, they say in high school, they teach you how to regurgitate and in college, they teach you how to study. But I think in grad school, it really teaches you how to think Mm. and think critically. And I was definitely behind the eight ball coming into grad school for that. I had a lot on my side when I came to grad school. You know, I got accepted to a really prestigious, well-known program. It was my top choice. And I got in because of a great resume and some stellar letters of recommendation. Again, with the not-so-great test scores, but they overlooked that, thankfully. And I was the only person in my cohort who had the the involvement background that I did. There were a lot of people from Greek life. There were a lot of people from housing. There were a lot of orientation leaders. And I walked up to grad school having served as editor-in-chief of the campus newspaper. Uh, So that was a really different perspective that I think got me really far. And man, graduate school was such an interesting opportunity because I was working in one job as opposed to like the three jobs I had in undergrad and focused solely on something in student affairs as well. I did my my graduate assistantship in first-year programs. So I've always had this passion to help first-year students make the transition. And now it's finally transitioning into the first-gen students that are in their first year and beyond. Mm, Why the interest in first-gen students? I mean, I am one. I, I, I know that life. And first gen students are finally getting the attention that they've needed for so long. So I'm glad that there's a lot of people that are starting to pay attention to first-gen students and start to to try and understand the, the challenges that come with that identity. Now, granted, there are so many levels of identity that come with being first-gen, and it could be that people are the first-gen because their family maybe went to college in a different country, or the fact that their family has low socioeconomic status, and so nobody could afford to go to college before this. So there's there's so many different layers and variables to the first-gen identity that I think the more people that are paying attention to them, the more support and success that we're going to see with first-gen students. I can absolutely agree with you. And, you know, similarly, I'm so glad that there's more emphasis of being placed on that first-gen student and their success, that it's intentional and not just one of those, oh, yeah, so you want the person to go to college, that we're giving it more meaning today um, that it needs. Absolutely. You talked about grad school being difficult. What advice would you give to someone who's also experiencing difficulty in grad school? In any part of your life, I think it's important to, to find the people that you can lean on. And whether that's a classmate or a faculty member or someone that that you simply work with, find the people that you can trust and be real and vulnerable with them when you're struggling. 
I wish I would have known then what I know now, because after that first paper got handed back to me, I would have stopped and talked to the professor and sought more clarification about exactly what they were looking for. I probably would have Googled what a good analysis paper looks like instead of trying to fly blind again, because it was the first paper I hadn't built my my trust network yet. Mm-hmm. But f- find the people who you believe in and who also believe in you and lean on them when you need them. I like that a lot. You know, I had a few experiences in grad school. Where I was just like, why am I even here? <laughs> and mm-hmm. and a part of that was I've always been a thinker, but learning how to be a critical thinker. And I wasn't honors college when I was an undergrad. And fortunately, I had a great experience where I was challenged to think beyond, you know, what was just in front of me. And I can appreciate that. But I used to feel so insecure, even about my writing, because I would get you know, papers back and I would have red marks in spaces. I'm like, but I thought that was right. <laughs> and so even, you know, as even as an adult, I still feel insecure about my writing and I've gotten through a doctorate, but it's just navigating the um, imposter syndrome or learning through my programs that I do know what I'm doing. I know how to get help. And if writing isn't, you know, of five strengths, if it's not number one or two, then you get help. And so I'm glad that you brought that up so that other people who are going to school don't feel the sense of I'm not worthy of being here because you got accepted to the program. exactly. And so apparently they see something in you. But again, I think they're also well aware in you know, a lot of graduate school programs that there will be students who come from different backgrounds. And it's also, you know, for them to be the understanding, I, I say. And I say that because it's not their job, but I think with the diversity of students that is in higher education today, there has to be some wiggle room for some, you know, meeting the student where they are, even at the graduate school level. That's what I'm saying. So say that again. Absolutely. <laughs> you got to meet students where they are. Absolutely. So, you know, it's potential is limitless if we can bring out the best in people. And sometimes it just takes a little more time for that. But that's all good. What are things that you're doing now to continue to grow professionally and even personally? So... I have a really cool job. I work on a university campus and I work with a very special type of living and learning community. So a living and learning community is the place where students who have similar interests, whether they're academic or uh, co-curricular interests, live together. In my community, they also eat together and they have the chance to take classes together. And we have a faculty member who serves as our philosophical guide. Hmm. And there are a growing number of programs like this around the country. And we finally got a annual convention together where we all get together and learn from each other. Maybe sometimes steal some good ideas from one another and, and network. And this year, 2020, my institution will be hosting this conference. Oh, very cool. So I'm working really hard with a great group of colleagues from around campus to welcome our friends and peers from around the country to brainstorm and continue to build our communities the best that we can. And so that's that's a really cool professional and personal thing for me because I've always been a hands-on, I've been a, a help person, and this is just putting all of my my favorite things to work at the same time. So I'm getting to utilize a lot of my skills and abilities, and that always makes you feel good. Hmm. Yeah, I can agree. That's how I feel about my life right now. <laughs> like I'm doing everything I love to do. Like what took me so long? I just had to figure it out. I love that you're excited about the work that you're doing. Where do you see yourself going in the next 10, 15 years? You know, I'm hoping that my next step professionally will be focused completely on first-gen students. Mm, nice, um, nice. I think in a few years, we'll see more and more institutions of higher education creating 
focused offices and resource managers to help students who identify as first gen navigate these waters with a very clear set of support individuals and offices and resources that they don't necessarily have to go wading through hundreds of thousands of pages on a university website that they know that they can go to this office with any question and they can help find their way. Hey, I'm seeing more pop up these days and I'm excited. Like every time I see a new job, I'm like, yes, somebody gets it. And they're investing like that lets me know you get it when you start to invest in in what that particular thing may be. So on another note, is there anything that you're reading or anything that you've read that you think like everybody should just pick up that particular book and enjoy? I mean, everyone should read Becoming by Michelle Obama because Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful narrative about an amazing individual, but she is also a first-gen student. She talks about her first-gen battles and experiences. That's probably the most worky book I've read recently. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, I've got a handful of of books on my nightstand that I just haven't cracked open yet. No Or at least none that I've really liked. (laughs) You'll get to it. Summer. Summer break. (laughs) Maybe spring break. Uh Like higher ed, it's like, when am I going to find time ever? Like you find time in between time and the breaks are typically the time. Very fun. Very fun. And then just, you know, a fun question for you. Like literally, what do you do for fun to find balance in your life? Because I know sometimes it's first gens, even after we graduate, we still have obligations to family and there's just, you know, life in general that just consumes us. So what are things that you do for fun to just stay lighthearted and, you know, energetic? Absolutely. Well, my husband and I have two adorable cats that take up a lot of time, energy and love. And I, I'm kind of a nerd because I love board games. I love card games and really just anything that gets me thinking, but not thinking about the world's problems. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to know what strategy I'm going to make on my next move, or I need to be paying attention to the cards that are on the table. But I also love watching reruns of embarrassing guilty pleasure TV shows. <laughs> Although I have started watching Shark Tank from the beginning because I never really got into it when it first started. And it's so interesting to see how business people work in their mind. I've worked in higher ed my entire life. Mm -hmm. And so my job has always been, here's your money, use it responsibly. Whereas these folks are actively trying to like make money. (laughs) And I don't really understand that world. Oh my gosh, I've been in both worlds now. And I never, (laughs) ever thought I'd leave higher education. And then one day I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to take, my plan was to take a year off to gather myself and then to go back and maybe just in a different capacity. And I started learning that I wanted to do something on my own. And I started learning, like, I was like, Hey, I like doing this. I like doing this. Let me try it. But let me tell you, it definitely is a transition. And I won't say that I completely miss higher ed, but I did miss them. Here's your money. Like you said, use it responsibly and just go on about your day and help students and do all these other fun things. But I have this freedom now that I just could not get and would never get in higher education. And so when I think about values, I value freedom far more than other some other things. And so I, I picked this road, but I still get to work with amazing students and amazing institutions. So it still scratches the itch a bit. But it's funny that you said that because I'm like, yeah, I should have looked at Shark Tank <laughs> a little bit more myself. <laughs> So great, great, you know, thing that you're watching because it is fascinating. But thinking this is what students are really kind of getting themselves into once they graduate. They get themselves into the life tank and they've got to fight for what they want. So salaries for homes, for Mm -hmm. cars, all of it. It's always a negotiation and there's a proposal. So, you know, being where I am now, I'm like, man, we should talk more, not necessarily business, you know, 
in particular, but again, just more life with students and what's happening once you get done with school, because man, it takes you by storm. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because I find myself in a lot of conversations with people, both students and people who have graduated talking about the skills that students need to learn either in high school or college. And a lot of it has to do with money. Mm. And at least where I am right now, a lot of my students don't work. Hmm. whether that's because they don't need to or because their family is saying, no, no, I need you to focus on your academics. Don't worry about anything else. But it's really hard to teach students about money if they don't have any. Yeah, You know, if a student's gone four, five, six years in school, never had a job, they're not going to know what taxes look like. It's just, it's, it's a really abstract concept. Absolutely is. And it's kind of like when I was in, Well, I was in college when I started learning about budgeting and money, but I was working a part-time job as well. So that made me think, oh, put my $5 in the bank. But even as a kid, though, my grandfather used to always tell me, whenever you get paid, pay yourself first. And this was a man who had a GED. I think he got it when he was maybe like 34, 35, but he didn't have a college education. And he just would give me money tips. Where's your piggy bank? I'm giving you $5. Ask me for change. And he, I would get change <laughs> from him. And I would put, you know, $1 in the piggy bank and the rest I could do what I wanted to with. But even that small thing translated into adulthood as make sure that you have something, you know, for a rainy day. But again, like you said, what do you do when you even teach in high school is about budgeting. And to them, it's just kind of like, what? My mom Mm -hmm. takes care of it. Yeah, but they won't always take care (laughs) of it. But I I do understand that exposure matters. And so I get that. And I love that you bring up the point of students, like depending on where you are, what they need. Because again, going back to being true student affairs of professionals, the holistic student development, what you need and where you may be, I have to meet you there. And maybe for you, it's more so relationship development and Mm -hmm. learning how to manage intimate relationships, relationships with family, relationship with professors, finding mentors. And on the other hand, it might be just developing those skills of communication and conflict management. So interesting how we take their approaches. But again, the reason that having such diverse individuals work in higher education settings is important for the longevity of higher ed in connecting with students and finding that representation to help them to thrive. So very, very cool thought process. And just again, thinking about the campus and I guess that would also translate to thinking about once you graduate for students, um, I mean, at this point of being graduate students or professionals, think about the company and their values and what matters there to know what to deliver or to bring to them to be an asset. Yep. You got to you gotta fill the, the gaps that organizations have. Mm. They're looking for a big, crazy, wild-eyed thinker. Be that crazy, wild-eyed thinker. And if that's not who you are, maybe you don't want to work there. <laughs> yeah, that might be. Yeah, you're right about that. Totally right about that. Oh, man. So now for the question that I said, you know, several shows, but I mean it when I said it is my favorite question to ask. If you could leave us with one thought, one one thing to remember you by, just something to marinate on for the rest of our lives, even what would that thing be? Oh, it's going to be a quote from my my favorite crazy big thinker, Albert Einstein. Mm. He said, if at first an idea is not absurd, then there is no hope for it. Mm. Which means you got to come up with crazy ideas because you know what? It might just work. Hmm. So validating. (laughs) So validating (laughs) right now. And I'm just thinking about it in terms of this podcast. Like, it was a crazy idea. Let me just see what happens. And here we are over 40 countries later. And man, like, well, very well past 30,000 downloads. So really cool. 
amazing accomplishments amazing. from a crazy idea. A crazy <laughs> idea. God, again, so validating. So, so awesome. <laughs> Look, the famous Sarah Kelly, we are so excited that you've been here today. I mean, so glad that you've been here. So thankful for your time, for your energy, for your wisdom. Um, you've definitely given us a lot of advice and some great strategies to think about, you know, as we are all navigating our lives as college students and adults. Thank you for that. So where in the internet space would you like for anybody from the family to find you? I don't think I have an internet space for people to find me. If, <laughs> if you want to see pictures of my adorable cats, you can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Morgan Kelly. <laughs> and that's Sarah with an H. <laughs> find the cats. Don't find me. So Instagram, Instagram. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, you are really awesome and I thank you and I wish you luck in everything that you're doing you know now and in the future and you know hopefully one day you could be spearheading a space or being the person who makes the space happen like hey we need the space and then they're like oh yeah you do it Sarah doesn't it happen we have great ideas <laughs> <laughs> absolutely challenge accepted <laughs> I will look thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast take care it's been such a pleasure thank you